disagree with that because I believe my last days are my past days. Now, you don't have to believe what I believe. That's not an essential doctrine that's going to make you heaven or hell bound. Uh, what Lisa said two weeks ago on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, is we've got to agree on the resurrection. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Without that, we have no salvation and no new life. But there's a lot of other things that we can differ on. There are people who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, a post-tribulation rapture, and a mid-tribulation rapture. I don't believe in a rapture at all. That's okay. The rapture wasn't even taught until the 1800s. I'm not preaching on that this morning. I'm trying to establish that there are a lot of other things that we can disagree and agree on. There are people that can give you scriptural reference for all three, post, mid, and pre-tribulation. Uh, there's all types of things. There are charts and theories and strategies and diagrams that people will try to give to you um, that um, Christians should be doing or Christians should not be doing uh, in order to, rate, uh, to engage in or to uh, wage war on the enemy. And I would put that word war in quotation marks and I would circle it. Because I'm anti-war. That's my personal belief. I'm pro-life. And so if I'm pro-life, I'm not just pro-life when the baby is in the womb, but I'm pro-life when it comes to genocide. I'm pro-life when it comes to euthanasia. I'm pro-genocide when it comes pro-genocide. I'm pro-life when it comes to war. Uh, I understand I would not let someone come into my home and pilfer through my things, rob from me, and rape my wife and my children, I would protect, but I don't travel out trying to, uh, if I'm not there in order to protect, it's not my job or assignment to go steal, kill, destroy, to get revenge, okay? Um, but I don't believe that in the kingdom of God that we wage war. Our, my goal during this series is not to tear down scriptural truth about spiritual war but rather my intent is to give you context to the words war and warfare in the New Testament because they are there but what's the context what do they mean uh, if you have to miss a week during the next month be sure that you backtrack and grab it on our Facebook rebroadcast or on our YouTube channel because you'll want to put all of these pieces together to be under, to able to understand the context of warfare in the new covenant. Anybody want to see spiritual warfare through a new lens? Uh, I mean, I grew up in an era in, in a teaching that we pounded the floor and snot and cried and everything to get God to move on our behalf when he's already done everything he was going to do. I just needed to come to the understanding of what he has already accomplished. Don't misunderstand me and say that I don't believe that there are times when we go through desperate situations that we will snot and cry and pound the floor. Not because God doesn't hear us, but because we are in a situation where desperate times require desperate measures from us. But I'm not going to twist God's arm or get God to do anything. His intentions and His will for me are not to harm me, but to give me hope in the future. His plans for me are better than my plans for me. Uh, now, we'll endeavor to expose some myths. Um, 
don't remember, I would like to give credit where credit is due, my friend Dave Bowling. We were talking about this series of messages, and I was talking about misinformation. That's a big word out there. It's a buzzword, disinformation and misinformation. And I feel like that there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to spiritual warfare that's caused people to understand. And he said, no, not misinformation, myth information. So we're going to expose these myths that the enemy has tried to fascinate us with. We're going to tear down the lies, just like we sung. It's just not a song. We're going to tear down the lies. We're going to help you to reveal your identity and the Papa's identity and a place of victory in your heart. Uh, we're going to see the truth of what Jesus has already done, what we need to focus on, and how we can look at spiritual warfare in the new covenant. Okay, So get your Bibles out. Let's get ready. We The first foundational truth that we've got to understand and we've got to, to do is we need to repent of a wrong mindset. When we give power to an entity that has been disarmed, completely defeated, and derobed and deranked, and we give power to that entity, we will fight a battle it's amazing to me that we'll listen to songs on K-Love and the message. We'll come to church and we'll sing worship songs. And the phrases in those songs will say things like, stop fighting a battle that's already been won. But then we go through our week and we continue to fight a battle that's already been won. And we get exhausted and worn out and frustrated. And a lot of people quit because it's, actually it's just too difficult to reach uh, keeping all of the rules that keep you holy, keep you on the track to heaven. So that's why I wanted to tell you as a believer to give you confidence that your afterlife is secure so that you can enjoy the abundant life. And we can enjoy the abundant life if we're constantly fighting a battle that's already been won. It's like a dog chasing his tail. We must shift our thinking and a victorious life begins with right thinking. Right thinking about God and right thinking about you, yourself, me. It's amazing that I will talk to people and they believe in Jesus. They understand what Jesus did on the cross for them and they probably have accepted that. The problem they have is with Jesus' father. A God that's beaten the hell out of everybody, including his son, going to snap you with a bolt of lightning if you have a bad thought or looked at something wrong. And so they struggle with a God of the Old Testament that they can't reconcile with the Jesus of the New Testament. But I give you confidence this morning that if you've seen Jesus, he said, you've seen the Father. So if the God that you have a picture of does not look like Jesus, it's not the God that I serve and that would make me an atheist. Because I don't believe in the God that a lot of churches preach about. We have been distracted, I hope this is on the screen, by an inappropriate obsession with a defeated foe. We've just been distracted by this, and it's become an obsession. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The microphone doesn't work this morning. The lights go out. Oh, the devil's really working overtime this morning. He's trying to, to keep us from worshiping God. All the, the sound and the lights aren't working. 
Come on, people. Do you really believe that the devil has power to possess an inanimate object and take control of it? I'm glad you're thinking about that. We've been fascinated by it. And it's an unhealthy lie and obsession with a defeated enemy. Okay, let's settle it. We got to, I got to get this out. Do you, how many of you with an amen or a show of hands believe that the devil has been defeated? Okay, we're, we're on a level playing field. We've got that in common this morning. So we've got to change the way that we think. We don't need a manual or a seminar or a conference or another revival, and I'm not against any of those things, but those things in and of themselves aren't going to help us until we change our mind about this defeated foe. We already have permission to participate in a superior dimension called the kingdom of God. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation this morning. And this is what it reads. But we thank God, or we accept God's grace, for giving us what? Giving us the victory. So as I read this, I would read that the victory has already been won and it's been given to us. Okay, it's a gift. Thank God. King James for you guys that like that. But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. This is not something that is in your future. This is something that has already been accomplished for you. Uh, Could I tell you that um, we are more than conquerors? Do you know what that more than conquerors means? It means that you didn't fight any battle. Somebody fought it for you but brought you the spoils of the battle. And that's what Jesus did for us at the cross. Victory is ours. Turn to your neighbor and say out loud, victory is mine. That's critical. That is a critical foundational thinking point when it comes to the context of spiritual warfare. Why? Because now I'm not fighting for something. I'm fighting because I already have something. Because if I'm fighting for something that I can't accomplish on my own power and in my own strength, I'll get frustrated and more out and I'll, get, I'll quit. That's why many have quit. It's just too difficult. About the time they learn to stop doing the things that the church is telling to do, they give them a whole brand new list of the things that they have to do. And I'm not telling you that there aren't things that we shouldn't and should not be doing. Should and should not be doing. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to a list of rules that keeps you in or out, we got to stop this. If it's a list of rules that makes you holy or unholy, or it's a list of rules that you have the power of God or you don't have the power of God. The Holy Spirit is an EOE, Equal Opportunity Employer. We must renew our minds and develop victorious theology throughout all of our journey. Victory, victory. There's no doom, there's no gloom, there's no defeat ahead. It's all victory. It's victory in the beginning, it's victory in the morning, it's victory in the evening, it's victory when you die, but it's victory while you're alive. I'm trying to stir you up to believe there's victory. 
and it's from Abba's love and Jesus' finished work that we find our identity. The victory we have is not out of our performance. It's out of His performance. It is a gift from God. At least any man should boast if we could accomplish it on ourselves, Paul said. We don't win the victory. We inherit it. So stop fighting. You have already inherited the victory that came through the cross. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jews realized that when God's presence was among them, that victory was guaranteed. Study the battles of the Old Testament. The Ark of the Covenant, which was a type and shadow of the presence of God, would always go out before them, and that they would shout when they saw the Ark because, oh, there's the Ark, there's the presence of God, so the presence of God is among us, victory's guaranteed. Study throughout the Old Testament, and when the Ark had been captured and taken by the Philistines, they were defeated. But when the presence, they realized that when the presence of God Keyword was among them, victory was guaranteed. Somebody hold the mules, New Testament believer, you must realize that you have the Spirit of God abiding, not just among you, abiding in you, so victory is guaranteed. So for an Old Covenant, Old Testament person who had the presence of God among them, victory was guaranteed, but you and I have the presence of God abiding in us when we believe and therefore, victory is guaranteed. Put your hands together and thank God for victory. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse 17. <laughs> you need not fight in this battle. Now, if the Old Testament, if God would tell the children of Israel, you need not fight, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to take care of this, just take your position and stand. We're going to learn what the armor of God is for. It's not for fighting. Why would you put on armor to fight a battle that's already been won? So we will understand why we put on the armor of God throughout this series. Take your position, stand, and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you. I can say the Spirit of, the God, of, the Spirit of God is not just with me, it is in me. So I'm going to stand still and I'm not going to fight. In many biblical cases, you will find that people got prepared or dressed for battle but never actually fought in the battle. They all understood that victory belonged to the Lord. See how we need to shift our mind to realize that victory belongs to the Lord. We must deny the myth that said God is preparing an army for Armageddon. Is that not going to be on the screens back there? I don't, I, we've got to see this. God's not preparing an army for Armageddon. If it's not, that's all right. You need to lock that in your brain. There's no war. There's no pending battle that Jesus has to come and fight. Matter of fact, just think about it for a moment. He's actually preparing a family for abundant life, not an army to fight. But if we have an old covenant mindset that says we have to fight, we will believe that we are soldiers and we will take up arms and we will fight a battle that's already been won. Sons, 
brothers, sisters, father. What kind of language is that? It's family language. I don't say General Randy, Corporal Darius. I say brother, sister, father. He's preparing a family. I hope that makes sense. Isaiah the ninth chapter, if you will allow me, let me read verses 1 through 7 to establish something here. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burnt. They will be fuel for the fire. Why? For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace of his government. And its peace will never end and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I want you to pay particular attention to the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained with war will be burnt. Why? This is prophetic language speaking of Christ who would come and win the victory and when he won the victory the boots and the uniforms would be burnt because there will be no more war. I mean, I don't know how you can get around seeing the prophetic language of that, that the boots are burnt and the uniforms are burnt because we're not in an army. We are in a family. Now, when it says there, the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen, the Lord of the armies of heaven, that's speaking of the angels. We are going to talk about the angels this month and the activity and the assignment of angels in spiritual warfare. So stay tuned. At his coming, the earth was filled with his glory. That's not talking about when he comes again. That was talking about his incarnation. The earth was filled with his glory. Light began to invade the darkness. If you will read, there's a 400-year period of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is darkness. There is silence. Nothing is moving. Nothing is shaking. And all of a sudden, light breaks into the darkness. People were rejoicing that understood who he was as the Messiah. Yokes were destroyed. Burdens were removed. And the boots and the uniforms were burned. Why? Because Jesus came and won the victory. So victory is ours. Second point, it is an announcement of peace. Talking about this mindset of victory. It's ours. And it is an announcement of peace. Verse 7 of ch- chapter 9 of Isaiah said, his government, Of his government and its peace, 
there will be no end. When did Jesus come? Over 2,020 years ago. He established and came as the Prince of Peace. In His kingdom, the announcement was peace. So why is there so much fighting, division, and unrest within the body of Christ? My opinion is because we've got misinformation. Luke 2 verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. Now, Luke's gospel was a gospel of peace. So his announcement of peace when Christ came was telling us that Jesus was coming not only to win the victory, but to give us peace. Is that not good news? In the climate of our culture today, is that not good news? That victory is already ours and the kingdom of God is an announcement of peace? We've got to shift our minds. We have to have a mindset. There is no announcement of peace unless victory is accomplished. Victory has already been accomplished, therefore we can announce peace. Every situation, child of God, that you walk into, you should be announcing peace over that situation. Man, I'm not telling you to, to deny reality. I mean, I, I know there's situations financially that cause people unrest. I know there's situations in families and marriages and between children and siblings and parents. And I, I know there's situations that go on in, in life and that there seems to be unrest and there's shaky ground and it's like a tornado that's just come through or a volcano that's about to erupt. I'm not denying any of that, but I can still announce peace over that situation. Why? Because the victory's already been won. Even when my mind is clouded to think that there won't be a good outcome. I mean, the songs this morning, great is our God. The breath in our lungs is because of Him. And what are we declaring? We're declaring victory. Something good's about to happen. He's always there he, on the mountaintops in the valley. He's always there. First John, the third chapter, verse 8, says the reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo circle that word, and destroy, circle that word, the works of the devil. That word undo means to reverse. Jesus came to undo and to reverse all of the works that the devil had done and to totally, that word destroy, means to eliminate. So he reversed everything that had happened and he eliminated everything, anything else that would happen. Reverse and eliminate. Because he has reversed, destroyed, and undone the works of the devil and eliminated that kingdom, then I can announce peace. Okay. Victory is ours. There was an announcement of peace because of victory. Now we declare the end of the kingdom of darkness. See, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and I have to get the foundational truth is that victory is ours. That, that has to be our mindset. We can't trudge through rest, the rest of what we're going to look at if we don't first know that victory is ours. Isn't that exciting? Victory is ours. We announce peace everywhere we go as children of God, as the family of God. 
and we declare in our public gatherings and in our private lives that Jesus has brought an end to the kingdom of darkness. Man, that's good stuff. Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 28. Jesus speaking says, On the other hand, if I drive out demons by the power of the Spirit of God, then the end of Satan's kingdom has come. Context, he's asked, they're asking about people casting out demons and they said they're not, you know, they're not doing this in, in Jesus' name, in your name, whatever. He said, well, Satan can't drive out Satan. But on the other hand, if I drive out demons by the power of the Spirit of God, then the end of Satan's kingdom has come. Now, I, I personally have experienced and believe that what you are looking for, you will find. What you preach and believe will manifest. So if you believe that every sickness and disease is a demon, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find demons. If you believe that uh, certain lifestyles are demonic, then you're going to find a demon in that. Okay? And I am not denying... See, you have to understand the whole package. I mentioned the woman that was bent over for 18 years. The scripture says she had a spirit of infirmity. That was prior to the cross. Was it not? Okay. So when Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross, I can show you that scripturally, and he made an open show of them publicly humiliating them, then you are either believing that he really didn't do that, or you believe that there has, there, they still have power. Demons and the devil still have power. And that's up to you what you believe. But Jesus was using this parable to help us make the conclusion that the end of Satan's kingdom had come. For he, Jesus, has bound up the strong man, the enemy, and ransacked, his house. Paul informed us of this in his writing to the church at Colossia in Colossians, the second chapter, verse 15. Am I boring you? Is this okay? I think this is good information that we need so that we can have a mindset of victory. Colossians 2.15, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all, somebody say all, all the powers and principalities of darkness, that would be speaking of the kingdom of darkness and the devil, stripping away from them every, somebody say every, weapon. So how many weapons does the enemy have? None. They've been stripped away. And all of their spiritual authority. So how much authority does the devil have over you? I remember singing in the old days off the overhead projector, Satan, you have no authority here in this place. Jesus has all authority here. Mighty warrior, dress for battle. <laughs> I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm a mighty son. And I'm not, I might be dressed for battle, but I'm not going to fight. I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> and by the power of the cross, man, that's good. Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. 
they were his. He stripped all of their spiritual authority and even the power to accuse you. Do you know that Jesus didn't say that the devil accused you? Do you know who Jesus said that accuses you? Moses. The law is what accuses you. Didn't even Jesus never said that Satan accused you. Mm, think about it. Now by the authority given by Christ to his sons and daughters, the church uses the dethroned, disarmed, and disrobed principalities and powers as a footstool. I guess I've got to demonstrate it. I'm at rest. I have authority as a believer over all disarmed, disrobed, and deranked principalities and powers, and they are now my footstool. Uh, it's a perfect picture for me. I don't have to go to war over something that's already been defeated. I'm at rest in the finished work of what Jesus did at the cross. According to Ephesians 2.6, we are seated with Him. We're not only seated with Him, we are seated in Him with our feet propped up on our defeated enemy. Sounds like to me and looks like to me it's victory. <laughs> the kingdom of darkness. Oh, get a hold of this. Turn your hearing aids up and look at the screen on this. The kingdom of darkness will not be resurrected to fight a cosmic battle. Man, come on, man. This end time stuff of Jesus coming back on a white horse with a sword in his hand and it's already happened. It's already taken place. It's symbolic. I'm giving you my opinion. You can think of that's going to come, but I'm not going to participate in a war over an enemy that's already been defeated and he's not going to be resurrected to fight a cosmic battle. There's only one requirement for those who will desire to reign in victory with him. Believe. Believe that Jesus has already won the victory. 1 John 5 verses 4 through 5 says, You see, every child of God overcomes the world, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Our faith in what? Our faith in that what Jesus did at the cross, that the battle's already been won. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? It's the ones who have believed and recognized the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. The mindset of victory equips us to know that all victory belongs to the Lord and is thus ours. I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm giving you a lot of scripture that I want you to write down the references and go study. See what the Holy Spirit says to you about it as you dive into it. Revelation 21, this isn't on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. John writes and says, Then in a vision I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Can I tell you that that's already happened? What do you mean? It's all, Earth is still here. Well, Jesus said that heaven and earth will not pass away 
And so all of his words, not one dot or tittle of the law will pass away until heaven and earth passes away. Well, if the dots and the tittles of the law still are in effect, then heaven and earth has not passed away. But I believe what Paul said in Romans, that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Therefore, heaven and earth must have passed away. So writing to a first century Jew, and then John saying that in this vision that heaven and earth had passed away, they understood that heaven and earth was the temple. Heaven was the dwelling place of God behind the veil to a Jew. That was where God dwelt, and thus that was heaven. The, the embroidery of the flowers and the trees on the veil in the outer court represented the earth. And to the Jew, the brazen laver where they washed their, in their hands in the bowl was the sea. It's passed away. And John saw a new heaven and a new earth. He said, I saw the city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God. Can I tell you that the new Jerusalem is not a place? It is a people. It says it right here. Like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her husband, adorned for her wedding. So the new heaven and the new earth, new Jerusalem is not a place. It's a people. It's a bride adorned. And I heard a thunderous voice from the throne saying, Look, God's tabernacle is within human beings. And from now on, He will tabernacle with them as their God. And now God Himself will have His home with them. God with them will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist, for the old order has ceased. And God enthroned spoke to me and said, Consider this, I'm making everything to be anew and afresh. Write down at once all that I've told you, because each word is trustworthy and dependable. Then he said to me, It has been accomplished. In other words, it is finished. For I am a leaf and tov, the beginning and the end. I will give water to all who are thirsty. As my gracious gift, they will continuously drink from the fountain of living water. The conquering ones will inherit these gifts from me, and I will continue to be their God, and they will continue being children for me. He's talking about his bride here. He's talking about what he's doing for his bride here. And he says, it's, this is what I get out of it. It's hard to imagine a bride being harassed in front of her husband. I, I mean, I know Brian Armstead. I know he's a, a good man and he loves his wife. And I could guarantee you that he would not allow you to harass and disgrace and abuse, whether physically or verbally, his wife. So why would we allow someone to disgrace and harass the bride of Christ? For God, listen to this, for God, victory isn't Satan being cast into a lake of fire. That, that's not victory for God. Victory for our Father 
is restored fellowship with his sons and daughters. Jennifer, if you'll come and play. The word warfare means exercising authority from a place of victory. Get that? Warfare is exercising authority from a place of victory. It's more about face-to-face communion with God than it is hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. Why do you want to get in a fight with the devil? He's already defeated. I mean, that'd be like Darius, my big brother, going out to the schoolyard and beating up the bully for me. And the bully is scared to death of my big brother now, and he's not going to mess with me. But I go out every day and try to beat him up. And he's going to wear me out. The the battle's already won. The victory's been won. It's not about this hand-to-hand combat now. Warfare's more about that face-to-face communion with God so that you have the right picture of who He is and who you are and what you already have because of what Jesus has done. Victory has to become personal to you. It can't be a thought left for eternity somewhere. Okay, We'll get the victory when we die in the sweet by and by. On the sunny banks. But rather it's an experience and a lifestyle for here and now. Let me give you some good news. You are free today from the fear of a defeated foe. Be released from the fear of a defeated foe. You don't have to fear Satan any longer. If you'll stand to your feet, I have I like to give you some questions. As this is something that you can think about as you ponder what you have heard today. If the purpose of Christ's work on the earth was to restore man back to the garden of God, then why are most calling believers to engage in the battlefield of the cosmos? It's more like this. Is my relationship with God more about a battlefield or a bedroom? You want to spend your time on the battlefield, go right ahead. I'd rather be in the bedroom. I'm a lover, not a fighter. If Christ, this is another question, if Christ disarmed principalities and powers, then how will they ever be armed again? Just think about that question. Ponder that in your mind. Here's another one. Who painted the picture for you of Papa with a concerned look on his sweaty brow overlooking the strategic level warfare maps trying to figure out how he's going to divinely intervene in a cosmic battle? He's not worried about it because he's already won the war. If Satan has no power to create anything, how are we dealing with new hordes of... Why are we dealing with new hordes of spirits today? You ever heard new levels, new devils? They don't have the... Satan doesn't have the power to create or recreate or procreate. 
He's not developing new demons. They're defeated. If we're called to be light of the world, then why have we chosen to give the kingdom of darkness a spotlight? It, it seems, this right here, this is bringing it all together. It seems that we've fallen for the fascination of the father of lies instead of gazing into the father of love's eyes. I'm going to say that again. It seems that we have fallen for the fascination of the father of lies instead of gazing into the father of love's eyes. Because what you behold, you'll become. I'm not going to look at, give power to, or acknowledge a defeated foe other than to say that he is defeated. I know that you've probably got questions. People watching online are going to have questions. People are already swirling it around in their mind. But what about demonic activity? What about demon possession? What about... Well, you know, ever since I came into um, a, an, an acknowledgement and a recognition of that I am dwelling right now in the kingdom of darkness, I've not been seeing demons manifest. They can't enter into the kingdom of God, the realm or the dimension of the kingdom of God. I have had experience with demons. I have had experience with casting demons out. And I've had experience with visually seeing demonic, demonic activity. If it would manifest or show up in someone's lives, life that I am dealing with, I know how to handle it. You know how I know how to handle it? Because I can say, listen here, you don't have any authority here. You've already been defeated. It, you have to go. don't have to scream. I don't have to holler. I don't even have to fast. If the Lord would lead me to fast, it wouldn't be so I could cast out a devil. It would be so that I would come into alignment and believe what the Word already says about what I have possession of as a believer. The authority to say, you have to go. You're defeated. I don't even know why you're here. Unless you've opened yourself up to that and I can say, listen, this is a child of God. You're not going to have any, we're not going to give any place to you here today. You've got to go and, it, and he has to go. So that's where I come from with all of that. If you have questions, text Pastor Jennifer and she'll have. <laughs> where I would love for the body of Christ to be at Grace Life, wherever people are listening to us this morning, is I want us to come into a mindset of victory so that we can start living an abundant life in the here and now. Fred, if you'll go get. Um, Brooklyn and Emily if you'll go get ready I'm going to have Jennifer sing and as she sings um, just let the Lord deal with you in your mind today I believe that if you've accepted Christ then you have already your spirit man is whole we deal with physical things because we're on the planet if you're sick in your body today, it's not a manifestation of your spiritual condition. It's because we're in this world today. There's pollen out there. People have sinus problems. There's diseases out there. People get infected. That has nothing to do with your spiritual condition. You are whole, well, and healed today in your spirit. I believe that the physical man will one day cease to exist, and it, it's not intended to make it to the next dimension anyway. Your spirit man is. 
where I believe that we have the situation and the problem is dealing with the soul. And the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so today as she sings, let your mind be saturated with a mindset of victory. Jennifer, would you sing? You worship, kneel, set, come to the altar, whatever she sings, and we prepare for baptism. 